Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Hello everybody, this is Terry from Texas with another episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments. You know that life is what happens when you're busy making other plans and this been what's happening with me. Um, I have intended to have shows out but situations arise that I have no no way of dealing with other than just not doing a show. But here I am, um, coming up to the end, just uh, in about another week or so, ending of Season 5, hopefully with a solid Season 6 coming up. In previous seasons of this show, I have dealt with wartime oddities. Mysteries from the battlefield, mysteries from the trenches, mysteries in airplanes, mysteries about soldiers appearing where they shouldn't be. I have told stories from the battle of and the after effects to the Alamo, the American Civil War, World Wars One and Two, and into the Vietnam era. Weirdness happens. And sometimes in wartime, that weirdness stands out in stark contrast to the brutal facts of war. Our military activities in Afghanistan are not to be left out. Strange stories have come out of there, and many of them can stretch our suspension of disbelief, as the movie magic people would have us do. But let's look at some of these stories, or a couple of them. Its name was Observation Post Rock. The outpost is the backdrop for a ghost story, and it's known for strange voices, radio static that's unexplained, and the creeping fear of being watched. It seemed the perfect vantage point for the Marines, a 30-foot-high dirt pile overlooking the low-lying poppy fields of Helmand Province. What they could not explain were the strange lights at night, the whispers in the darkness, the mysterious radio static, the sudden chill of a summer breeze and the recurring whiff of corpses. Only later did the Marines and British soldiers stationed there begin to understand the place they called Observation Post Rock. The post and its surrounding area were considered cursed by residents of the Amir Aga villages, an area where the Taliban insurgents now reside following the failed campaigns of the American, Afghan, Soviet, and British militaries there. The vacated post has cemented itself in both American and local Afghan culture as part of a legend a peculiar intersection of history, spiritualism, and the paranormal. 
It is the backdrop for a ghost story built along the spine of Afghanistan's unending wars and its countless dead. The Taliban roam freely now among the clusters of small villages and poppy fields in Helmand's Garmzer district, all irrigated by a canal system built during the Cold War and funded by the United States. It was different 14 or so years ago when the Marines deployed to Garmzer to help drive the Taliban out. The dominant height of what the Marines described as a hardened dirt pile offered the best position for an outpost to see that enemy. Corporal Andrew Rouser, one of the first Marines assigned to the outpost, simply called it the Rock. But before the Marines destroyed what they believed to be a Taliban defensive position on the mound with the demolition charge, Lance Corporal Brendan Kelly discovered evidence of the hill's ancient design. Small tunnels dug in its base that led to a single chamber, possibly a fort or a tomb. It was creepy, Corporal Kelly recalled. The blast from the Marines' explosive collapsed the tunnels. In the months and years that passed, Buried human bones were discovered in the rock as American and British units rotated in and out of the post, and the destruction of Corporal Kelly's discovery in 2008 morphed into part of its mystique. An American missile had struck the outpost before the Marines had seized it, the Americans would later say, burying Taliban fighters inside. But the bones were almost certainly not Taliban. They were decades, and in likely some cases, centuries old. The rock was not a new construct. It had been around for a long time, seeing group after group use it as an observation post. A local scholar in Garmsir, who spoke on the condition of anonymity out of fear of retribution, said the hill had originally been a fort, but that hundreds of years ago its use changed. Local people, he said, and eventually ethnic Pashtuns, saw it and the other structures like it in the area as spiritual sites and transformed them into burial sites. In the years before the 1740s, before Pashtuns had made their way to Garmsir, is when the fort, observation post rocks, foundation is thought to have been built according to local officials and residents. Who built it is unclear, but the Safavid, Mughal, and Ghaznavid empires, as well as Alexander the Great, all left their mark on the region. Residents of the area sometimes call these mountains because there are several in the district. A vestige of Maliko Tawafi, an Arabic phrase also used in Persian that describes a governing system where each tribe is led by a local king or elder. The rock's last likely use as a graveyard may have been around 1980, at the start of the Soviet-Afghan War, the local scholar said, when fighters, some led by the insurgent commander Nassim 
Akunzada, surrounded and captured roughly 40 Afghan communist police officers near Amir Aga. Mr. Akunzada is infamous for legalizing poppy cultivation for the area in 1981, now the primary driver of Helmand's economy. His nephew, Sher Mohammed Akunzada, was the governor of Helmand province from 2001 to 2005 and was removed after international forces raided his compound and found opium there. The captured communist police, the scholar said, were taken to the top of what became known as the Rock. Mr. Akinzada's men and other local insurgents executed all of them. The dead were buried in the mound. Although family members came and disinterred some of the bodies, many remained entombed within the elevated earth. Local officials dispute this event, saying Mr. Akinzada was not in Garmzir when the communists were present. It would only take a few months after the rock's construction in 2008 when the Marines left and British troops took their place, only to be replaced in turn by Marines again, that it would come to be known as the haunted outpost. It's a conduit for paranormal activity, said Jose Herrera, then a lance corporal in one of the Marines that had spent time at the Rock in 2009. When he was there, Mr. Herrera said he saw mysterious lights, heard strange static on the radio, and had the creeping feeling, much like several Marines who had spent time there, that someone or something was watching them. Locals would often tell the Marines on the Rock that the area was haunted. The smells were like something was dying, said Corporal Herrera, who has since left the Marine Corps. It was really bad at night, and it was like it came in whiffs or gusts. One story that is told of OP Rock is this. On rotation of 60 days, American and British units would trade off standing duty at OP Rock. When a group of Marines were rotating in and replacing a group of British troops, one of the Brits warned a Marine cryptically, if you dig something up, just rebury it. A former journalist for the London Times wrote about a group of Marines at the Rock in the summer of 2009, battling much of the same seemingly paranormal issues described by Mr. Herrera. Drastic changes in temperature from hot to cold, lights, and voices in the night. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. In 2015, the Sci-Fi Television Channel aired an episode of their Paranormal Witness True Terror series about the outpost titled Beneath the Rock. The show featured the same Marines the journalist had interviewed in 2009. It first seemed like stress-induced hokum, 
the journalist said of the Marines in a recent interview. His subjects had endured the blistering heat of the Afghan summer. Friends killed at the height of the fighting and long rotations, staring out into the night from the sandbag confines of the rock, waiting for an attack. But the Marines, he said, had told him there were some things they just couldn't explain, despite their acute awareness of the anxiety that comes with combat. In an attempt to enhance protection within the confines of their post, the Marines began deepening trenches within the walls of their erstwhile home. While digging, they began to uncover human bones. Now the warning made sense. If you dig something up, just rebury it. They were quickly reinterred. It was realized that many people over many years had died on this spot. Just within recent memory were the Afghanis who died there when the Red Army invaded Afghanistan. Then there were the Russians who died there when the Afghanis struck back. Then those Afghani fighters died there when coalition forces attacked. So many deaths in one relatively small space. A squad that replaced the Marines was warned by them that the outpost was haunted. A corporal who was part of the replacement squad, Dutch Perkins, said no one believed them. But it wasn't long after that Mr. Perkins heard some detached voice speaking in what he described as Russian while he stood guard at his lone machine gun position from midnight till dawn. Just thinking about it makes my hair stand up, Mr. Perkins said. It was real faint at first, but eventually sounded like someone was standing post with me. To the Marines and British who passed through, the sparse evidence of the Russians ever being around Amir Aga were the rusted hulks of two Soviet armored personnel carriers several hundred meters to the east. They had been destroyed in 1982 in what was the Soviet Union's first and failed offensive into Garm's Mir. The bloody battle was outlined in the book War Comes to Garm's Ear as the Soviet's most famous sweep in the district. The book said Amir Aga, with its shrines and expansive villages, was a symbol for the resistance and a regular meeting place. Abdul Ghani, a longtime resident of Garmzir, said the entire area was considered holy after the battle. When the Soviet armored columns approached the Amir Aga shrine, the tanks became stuck in the mud. He added that a Soviet rocket or bomb hit the shrine but did not explode, attributing this to a divine intervention from Amir Aga, a revered descendant of Muhammad who settled in the area hundreds of years ago. Afghans had long seen shrines as conduits for miracles, from physical health to history-altering events. Several tanks went into the earth and disappeared, Mr. Ghani said, adding that the ground around Amir Aga in the rock is still considered heavy and fearful after dozens died there. The area is full of dead bodies and it's haunted, he said. When the Marines occupied OP Rock, things got weird quickly. One night during his guard shift, 
one Marine heard whispered voices around him. He believed they were speaking Russian. Another Marine was scanning the darkened terrain with his night scope and saw in the distance a man stand out in the open. When looking with his naked eye, he could see no one. Using his vision enhancing equipment again, he saw the man again, but he was much closer to the OP. Suddenly, a battle, or at least the sounds of a battle, erupted around the outpost. Machine gun fire, men shouting, even an RPG hit against the front of the post were heard while the Marines attempted to make themselves very small while formulating a response to the attack when it went quiet. In broad daylight, the Marines looked for damage to the post, but there was none. During night watch again, one Marine reported hearing many voices whispering and even heard footfalls on top of the observation tower. Another reported seeing a figure stealthily running from one clump of bushes to another, but being unable to find the figure with thermal goggles. The 60 days ended, the Marines warned their relief of the oddness of OP Rock, and they went back to base. A group of Navy SEALs told a story that disappeared from official records afterward, and when you hear the story, you might understand why. The story goes that a group of Green Berets, special forces, had gone out on a mission into the mountains and were not heard from. So a group of Navy SEALs were sent out to locate the soldiers. Now, before we go any further, this is not a situation of better going out to find good. This is just available groups going out. They began to climb one mountain, following an obvious trail upward. They noticed caves all along the trail, which weirded them out because their enemy could be hiding in the caves and jump out behind them and, and ambush them. The closer they got to a plateau, the more they noticed stuff, pieces of equipment, shreds of uniforms, stuff like that, lying around as if torn up and cast off. Odd, but they stayed on task and came off the trail onto the plateau. They faced a huge cave opening. Spreading out into a skirmish line, they approached it carefully. Someone called out movement within the cave and everyone went into battle posture. They were not ready for what happened next, or what reportedly happened next. Story goes that a 12 to 15 foot red-headed, six-digit, double-toothed humanoid emerged and attacked the unit. The giant impaled one man with the giant spear and proceeded to attack the rest of the squad. The witness states that it took 30 seconds of continuous fire to down the giant. Now between them, the squad was armed with full-auto M4 carbines, recon carbines, which are semi-automatic, and M107 Barrett anti-materiel rifles firing 50 caliber machine gun bullets. This much firepower concentrated on one target for one second, let alone 30, would be extremely destructive. 
According to the witness, the giant wore canvas or animal hide covers to protect its feet like moccasins and smelt like dead bodies. The creature's body was airlifted back to the squad's base by a helicopter with a net. From there, it was loaded into an aircraft and taken away, never to be seen again. Upon their return, the soldiers were made to sign non-disclosure paperwork to stop the word spreading of their encounter. The witness states that he broke his silence because people have the right to know what's happening on our planet. This story was told in seriousness, but the seeming consensus is that it's a hoax. Now, at places in the world, archaeological digs have uncovered oversized skeletons with patches of red hair on them. Now, could that be naturally red hair or just because they're buried maybe in clay? Could there be giants in Afghanistan? Is OP rock really haunted by generations of defenders? The belief is left up to you. Belief in the supernatural and in supernatural things is a matter of faith in my opinion. Have a good week, everybody. credit card bill.